the Rockettes are back, and one of them has stopped by to say hello before rehearsal starts. Welcome back to the Terry Summers Podcast. I feel like I have spent time with holiday royalty. My sweet friend from years ago is a rocket, and she has been a rocket for a good number of years. And I feel so honored that Heather Langham has um, gifted me and us with her presence today. I know that last year was really, uh, I believe in history, and the history of Rockettes is the only year that they canceled their show. And I know, along with just the darkness of COVID that swept over our country, and particularly at that time, um, New York, uh, the absence of the joy that the Rockettes bring at Radio City um, had to be a kick in the side, I guess. Um, They are known for the joy that they bring and they are iconic and uh, professional and full of excellence and entertaining and um, festive. So to not have them last year had to have left an impact. I am so glad that they're back. And I am so glad that we get to get a little peek into um, that world through Heather and learn about her a little bit too. She is a sweetheart and she's gifted. That girl can kick. Here she is. Did you hear that little annoying voice tell us that we're recording? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I am pretty much about ready to wet myself. I have Heather Langham with me. And um, Heather, I've given a little bit of an introduction prior to sitting with you, but you and I have had a little bit of a hiccup trying to get together. But when I saw you on the screen, I just screamed and I'm going to wet myself because I still can't believe I'm here. You were one of my sweethearts in my life. And where are you coming to me from right now? Right now, I'm in New York City. New York City! Down in uh, NoHo, which is considered north of Houston. All the fun, like, new neighborhoods. So, yeah. Super cool. So, let me just refresh everybody. I did a little bit. First of all, I did tell you that I woke up with this frog in my throat. So, if I sound like your uncle, that is why. But, um... I met you. You might be better with the date. We were in Chicago. Yes. The first time I did it, though. I did it another time, and I missed you so much. But you were in the first cast with, that I did it years ago with Michael Barnard. Do you remember when that was? I believe 2003. Okay. I was going to say four, but yeah. Okay. 2003. Um, and we'll back up to that in a minute. But you are... Uh, clearly a dancer because it's in your email address but I know that for a fact and um what uh when did you start dancing 
Um, so my mom owned a dance studio in Peoria, Arizona called Langham Dance Center. Actually, it started on 16th Street, an Indian school, I want to say, because uh, that's actually how she met Michael. Um, so they knew each other long before I was even born. So anyways, I started dancing at my mom's dance studio. Remind me of your mother's name. Kathy Langham. Kathleen Langham. Wait a minute. <laughs> Do you, how come I never knew this? Okay, I'm totally freaking out, but I, I, I'll get back to how I know you. When you said 16th Street, yeah, was it? Is that what side of the street was it on? I believe it was on like the north side. It was next to a pawn shop, I think. Okay, it was there. Like she had it there. I want to say in like '79 and '80. Maybe all up to like 84, 85. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. You know, you, you, I can't, it, I'll tell you in just a minute how I know your mother, but that is where it was at. I'm 99.9% .9 sure. I, I, anyway, I don't want to get off on your mother, but we'll, we'll, we'll get back to her. Hi, mom. If you're listening, um, I'm almost positive. I'll double check it before I gush anymore. So okay. your mother owned a dance studio. Continue. Uh, and I started dancing there like at the age of two, two and a half. I was actually in my mom's dance class and she lost a few students because of it because I was such a terror in class. But <laughs> I continued dancing at the studio um, and then went to college for, for dance. I went to the University of Arizona for a year and then I transferred to Arizona State University um, where I was on the dance team there. And I danced um, with my dance company in high school and was all also like part of um the spirit line also at right. i love your little quotes about the spirit yeah i literally the the year that i became like i got on the line they had split into um from palm and cheer they combined them both together and i really just wanted to be on the palm team like i just wanted to be on the dance team but i became a cheerleader and i i was okay with that because i eventually became the captain and whatnot so yeah well, i'm sure you did i'm sure i'm sure because you pretty much rule the world. Not only are you gifted as an artist, but you are just this strong, vibrant leader. I can do that. And I just remember you, so I ha we have not seen one another face to face other than this sort of Zoom situation in many years, but I just remember your presence. And we were in a dressing room together, which was not supposed to happen. That cast was huge, if you remember, and they were not finished kind of remodeling. I don't even know if they had begun yet, but Michael asked me if I would be in the, the um, ensemble, the dancers dressing room. And right, of, right away, I thought, awesome. I get to stare at all these skinny people and, but you know, I, I took it as an opportunity that I didn't know I would ever get again just to be that close to a bunch of you. Yeah. But I, I just remember it being one of the blessings of my life. And we can go back to that, uh, like I said, later. So, you, so I asked you before we started rolling, what took you to New York? And you said you actually started kind of heading out there a little bit before you moved. But what 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 did you head there for? We can all kind of guess. You're a dancer, right? And and in theater, but just tell us what your thought process was when you said, I'm headed to New York. 
Um, so the first time that I moved here was in 2006. And um, actually, Christopher Ayers, who was, I met at ASU and also at Phoenix Theater, um, he had moved out here and was living here. And I was finished with college and kind of at a point in my life where I didn't really know like what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to be a dancer. I was trying to be on Broadway, but I couldn't. I'm the dancer that can't sing. Um, and so I decided to just take a chance. And so I moved out and lived with Chris for a few months. And then I got another sublease for a couple more months. And I just found that like instead of being able to like go to dance class and take voice lessons and audition, I was just working at a restaurant trying to pay my bills so um, eventually I decided to move um, move back to the west coast and I moved to uh, California yeah. um, and then the second time that I came out to New York was in 2009 when I had become a Radio City Rockette so I subleased my an apartment for the first two years 2009 2010 um, and then even into 2011, and then once 2012 came, I was like, okay, I'm ready to live here officially. And so I started, I signed my first lease in 2012 of April, and here I am. <laughs> that is so crazy. So how did you learn, uh, if you weren't living in New York uh, regularly, uh, did you happen to be there for like audition season or something? Was were the were the Rockettes a goal for you, or was that meaning was that what you thought? Okay, I don't because you guys y'all don't have to sing. I have never seen the Rockettes live. Obviously, they're iconic. That's I want to get into that too. But what drew you to the audition? I mean, was it just that's work or what? Um, I actually wanted to be a Rockette ever since I was very, very young. Um, oh my gosh. I, this story is like blossoming before my eyes. Okay. okay. Keep going. Um, so my mom and I would always wake up on Thanksgiving day and watch the Macy's parade and the Rockettes are always performing in the first hour. And so that would be like the highlight of our Thanksgiving. Um, and by the time I was 13, I was already 5'8". I stopped growing at the age of 13. But to be a Rockette, you have to be between 5'6 to 5'10 and a half. So at that point, I already knew that I was tall enough um, to, you know, make that a goal. And I had had some other teachers um, that I had trained under in various like dance conventions and um, dance tours that I had done that were Rockettes. And I just was so inspired by them. So um, from a very young age, I knew that I wanted to be a Rockette. So um, I actually auditioned in when my freshman year of college in 1999, um, and I made it to the final round. So the pro audition process is two days. They have multiple rounds of cuts. Um, and I made it to the final round. And when you make it to the final round, they tell you that they'll give you a call if you get the job. Um, well, that year, they didn't hire any new Rockettes. Um, there was something happening, I think, with the contract or whatnot, but there were no new Rockettes hired. So I didn't get the job. So I decided to graduate from college. Um, and uh, I'm glad I did because going to college then gave me the opportunity of doing Phoenix Theater and I would have never met you. And so uh -huh. <laughs> the, the journey was a little bit rough, but it was definitely worth it. So in 2003, I went back and auditioned and I made it to the second to last round. I got cut um, just before it. But as I was leaving, the um, director's assistant came out to me and gave me a card and said, the director thinks you have what it takes. We just want you to work on. Um, they said that they have a weight and a body image, a weight limit and a body image that they wanted me to work on and to come to a private workshop the following year um, so that I can, you know, kind of brush up on that. So. I was like, okay, like kind of like 
hit me in the heart because literally like the audition that I had just gone to before that was for Disney Cruise Line and they kind of said the same thing about like my my body um so that was kind of like you know not let's pause right there let's pause right there I want you to break that down because that is a kind of pressure first of all I probably you know I would never have been in that position but if somebody said that to me even though I am fully aware I would have decked them I don't care I I I know I would never have been in that position so I never would have had someone had to say that to me but the the issues around that that I carry no pun intended rim shot um that sucks what did I mean you're like felt and long-legged and thin and what what kind of body image did you were they talking about I think they wanted me to be more athletic like stronger I think at that point I was still like coming out of like the college body phase you know like in college there was a lot of like parties and you know <laughs> beer consumption <laughs> um, so I think it was kind of related to that it wasn't that they needed to needed me to be like stick thin um it's you know being a dancer is rigorous and you have to be strong and fit and um and healthy and so i think they just wanted me to like work on that a little bit i didn't i said thank you and then i yeah, left and you didn't you, yeah but having having the fact that you had had somebody else say that that's what made it stick a little bit more right yeah yeah, yeah. but so what did you go do so, uh, I mean, I was just working out, out of the gym and, you know, I thought I was doing what it took to, to get in shape. And I went back to the workshop and felt good about the workshop. And then the next day went to the audition and I got cut in the first round and I was devastated, <laughs> devastated. Yeah. So I'd gone from like making it all the way to like almost making it to like being as far away from making it as possible. So I was really, really devastated. Um, I think I took a year off from auditioning again, and then I went back and auditioned and again got cut in the first round. So I think this puts me at like auditioning five times. And at this point I'm like 25, 26 years old. And I'm like, okay, like I need to start, you know, maybe this isn't your dream. Maybe like something else is meant for you. Like let's, let's be realistic about this. And so uh, a few years go by, I work in California. I'm not really dancing any anymore. I'm like, you know, working at a golf course and being uh, like having an office job or something like that. And there was definitely something missing in my life because it was kind of a darker time for me. Um, and I was sitting in my apartment bedroom watching the PBS special of the Radio City Rockettes like on over Thanksgiving. They had the full show on. It was like 2007 or 2008. Um, and I had been drinking, you know, I had my glasses of wine or whatever. And I'm just watching the TV and I'm like, there's no reason why I'm not doing that. Like I can do that. So the next day I, you know, I decided to change a lot of things about how I was living my life. I decided to eat healthier so that I could get back into yoga classes so that I could then get back into dance classes, which would then lead me into auditions and whatnot. And so by the end of that year, I was auditioning again. I had actually like gotten a role playing Velma in West Side Story at like the musical theater of Hollywood or something. It was a free job, like I didn't get paid, but it got me back in to performing and being with the people that like I love. So, and then in March of 2009, I went back to audition. I went to two auditions, one was in New York and I just wanted to go to get my feet wet to make sure that like I, I was ready. So I went, I did get cut in that round, but I knew that they were coming to Las Vegas, or sorry, Los Angeles. 
and I went to the Los Angeles um, audition and I made it to the final round. And that was in 2009. So that's a 10 year difference um, from when I first auditioned to. Sweetheart, I didn't know this story. This is so inspiring. Keep going. So that was um, around May of 2009. Um, And so then you wait, you wait for a phone call. My phone call wasn't coming. August was rolling around. There was going to be another audition in New York that I could go to, but I was teaching dance camps and I wasn't able to like really afford a plane ticket. Um, The audition was, I believe, August 11th in New York City. Um, And so I'm in the middle of, I'm in Myrtle Beach teaching a dance camp, like in the middle, we're in our hotel rooms. I'm on the phone with some dance coach that I'm about to go work for. And I see my phone, like someone else is calling and it's a two on two number. And I'm like, that's weird. Who's calling me from New York? I don't know. Maybe it's another like dance teacher or something. And I was like, not going to answer it. But I was like, I need, I should answer this. And I answered it and it was Radio City calling to offer me my job. Oh, I have chills all over me. I have chills all over me. That is such a cool story that was literally you say 10 years or a little bit 10 years from when you started auditioning for them oh what did you do did you fall over yeah I was there's a picture I my friends took a picture of me on the phone like screaming I was like shaking crying I I remember calling my mom and she like didn't believe it Then she was screaming. Um, It was just kind of like a surreal moment because you always like think about what your dream is and like, oh, like that's my dream to be on Broadway or to be a rocket or to do this. And then to actually like have that happen is like, I still get choked up. (laughs) Well, as you should. That is, you know, for anyone that's listening that has a dream, this is your gal right here to track because I really didn't know the story. And I'm so glad that I didn't ask too many questions of you in that time frame, And I'm trying to think if I even knew, because we were doing a show like you had mentioned in that, in that span. So I can't believe that that wasn't anything I was somewhat aware of, but nonetheless, this is just the coolest ever. So within a decade, and you know what? That says a lot about you. And so you have been with them now. So tell me a little bit about the process of, 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 of your tenure with them. I mean, did you see yourself when you become a Rockette? What is the, um, what, is there like a statistic of how long people dance as Rockettes or? I mean, it, it really does vary. There are women that have danced on the line. This is their 20th season of being with the Rockettes and then others that, you know, come and do it two years. Um, but I would say the majority of the girls now are around like 10 to 15 is like the the range in which, you know, a Rockette career can last, um, especially if you're starting at the age of 18. A lot of the girls are coming, you know, the ones that have been there for 20 years got the job when they were 18. I didn't get it till I was 29. So like, you know, right. yeah. for 20 years. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say 10, 10 is a good average, I would say. Um, back in the day, um, like Rockettes were Rockettes forever. Like there was no re-auditioning. It was like once you made it, you were in it until you couldn't dance anymore. Like they're like 40 years, I think, some some of the prior. Oh, really? Back so, in like the 70s, 80s, like, yeah. How often? So you do you have to re-audition every year? We do, yes. 
Whoa. So that means you're approved. Tell me this. Do you think that, well, are there Rockettes that don't get to come back? Yes. They have been in it for a bit. Yeah, you're never really guaranteed your job. Um, I had to audition. So I had my first year and then I had to audition twice to get my job back the second year. And then the same thing, I had to audition again twice to get my job back um, the third year. Um, But in that process, I ended up breaking my foot. and I wasn't able to audition in the August audition. So I had to wait until my foot was better. And I was able to get a private audition in September because someone had dropped out. But I went to that audition and the director didn't think that my foot was strong enough and didn't think I was ready. So they sent me an email that night saying that I wasn't going to be hired back that year. Um, but then two weeks before rehearsal started, they called and said that they were offering my job. <laughs> So that was another roller coaster. <laughs> um, and kind of after that point, I didn't have to audition multiple times to get my job back. Um, I did break my foot one other time in the off season, but it healed in time for me to go back. And then I broke my arm five years ago, but that was in January. So I was able to like heal my arm. I had surgery on it. I have a rod with, um, you know, a plate, sorry, with like eight screws in my arm. So I'm now the How did you do that? I missed this. I was in a boating accident um, in Newport Beach, California. We were um, floating around on one of the Duffy boats and it was going underneath um, underneath a bridge in between two narrow pillars. And we were trying to like, you know, protect the boat because we had rented it and it went over to one side and everyone on that side kind of like pushed it away from the wall and it came over to my side and I went to go push and my hand slipped and just the compact force of the boat went straight into my arm. So, but like I said, that was in January. So I was able to heal like that whole year and I auditioned in August. I still had to audition um, and then I got my job. Here I am. So I do, I track you and you are very healthy. You have a lot of nutrition advice. You, um, you teach or no, not now. Did you, it seems like you, you yeah. Tell me a little more about that. Um, I would teach uh, like dance camps. So high school dance teams and college dance teams uh, meet for like a few days and um, they have a, a camp. Um, and then I don't really teach much anymore. For a few years, I was teaching fitness, like a Pilates um, fitness studio. And then I used to be uh, a manager for Barry's Boot Camp, which is a, a fitness boutique studio. Yeah, um, I think I've seen that. Yeah. There, but I was just like a manager. Um, so what, when do you head in? Now you, you're back this year. Was, if I recall, I went online and then I thought, no, I'm just going to ask her. Um, was last year their seven, the Rockets 75th anniversary or was it, is it old, are they older than that? We're older than that. Um, I think we're coming up on a hundred soon. Oh, what a, my goodness. Are you kidding me? 75th anniversary was in 2007, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe. So yeah, I think we passed 80. I don't know. We're getting up there. We're old. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and have they ever had a time when they canceled the show? Uh, no, last year was the 
first time ever when it was crazy. So, um, how is everyone? And so you're back, you are back this year, right? Yes, I am. And did you have to audition this year too? Yes. Yeah. Everybody did. Everybody did. Yeah. Okay. It was a, they made it light and, you know, welcoming and not stressful. And so that was nice it was just kind of like to get us all back in the same room together again and just to see you know what we'd been doing for the past year and a half (laughs) right right because i'm sure the slightest change reads correct yes yep what what is it to have that kind of pressure or do you not see it that way do you a lot it's there there's a lot of stress that comes with it (laughs) just mental stress like always you know comparing yourself and feeling like you're not going to be strong enough because we haven't done this movement in so long. So it's just like, you never know what your body's going to feel like and how it's going to come off and how they're going to see you. Um, so yeah, it's very stressful. It's not easy. So I tried, I thought, okay, I tried to do a kick or two in the kitchen and I got my foot stuck on the counter. So I'm icing my back right now, but, um, uh no not really that would never happen um what is the criteria for those amazing kicks y'all do oh well we only kick eye high so they might seem like they go higher than actually like than we're actually kicking but um we aim to kick literally like right in between like in our center line like right to where our toes hit our eye eye level um and then since we've got uh the less tall girls on the outside and the taller girls on in the center it gives the illusion that we're all the same height which then gives the illusion that we're all kicking the same height i was just gonna say so if you're if your eyes all rest at a different place how do they accomplish the straightness of that line? But you just explained it. So there's a method to the madness. Yes, definitely. Um, and what kind, so you're, are, when do you start rehearsals? We start on Monday. We actually go Yay! through like a few days. I can't believe it. Our first day of rehearsal is like an orientation and we go through media training. Um, and then we have like a team building and then a little, you know, gathering afterwards. But then Tuesday is when we actually we start dancing and when everything gets real. <laughs> okay. So I am going to make sure that I release this podcast on Tuesday. So it's harmonious with your start. Is that okay? Yes, of course. Yes. Okay. So when you say media training, I'm assuming that means because y'all are always being asked to appear places and stuff like that. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. To give you some, some support and know what to say and how to represent the company. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Um, I'm what will your schedule be like? What, what, what does it call of a person to be a rocket? Um, so we rehearse in the basement of a church for the first three weeks and our rehearsal schedule is six hours a day for six days a week. Um, Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Now I need to ice my back. (laughs) Just, just, hearing that oh my goodness my whole butt shook when you said that um so six hours a day for six days a week yes constant dancing constant we do get breaks we get like a 10 minute break we'll do like an hour 20 10 minute break hour 20 lunch break hour 20 so we we do quarters basically right um but um is this is this uh are you does the equity union govern Rockettes? 
No, we're with Agva. Agva, okay. The variety artist, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Um, anyway, so six days a week, keep going. And yeah. what happens in that period of time? That's when we're learning the show. So we're learning um, all of the numbers, we're cleaning, we're putting the show together. And then we move to Radio City, like uh, the last two weeks of our rehearsal process for tech. And that's when we add the lighting, the sets. We um, we have microphones on our tap shoes. So we have to do a lot of tap sounds like uh, mic testing. Um, and then we start our like, we do a shoe run. So we'll run the show with our shoes. And then we'll run the show with like our, if we're our wooden soldier hats, we'll do uh, like a shoe and a hat run. And then we'll start adding the costumes. And then um, by the end of that process, we have two invited dress rehearsals. And then we start previews, which is November 5th. So, so uh, it, it comes up pretty quickly if you're starting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, how, so who is it the same, who creates the show? Like who chooses, I mean, there's some standards, right. That always stay in the show. Okay. Um, so our director currently is Julie Brenham. Um, and she's been, she's a former Rockette. She's been with the company for a really long time. Um, but there's, it's kind of a collaboration of, like you said, like older numbers, like the Parade of the Wooden Soldiers, the Living Nativity. Um, a lot of the numbers that are in the show currently came in like around 2007 when Linda Haberman was part of the show. Um, and then uh, we had a few numbers two years ago that that came into the show that have been, you know, kind of reimagined. So I would say it's like a large collaboration. And how long does the show run? It's 90 minutes. 90 minutes. Do you, is there an intermission or no? No intermission. Oh, goodness, girl. Goodness, goodness. And and in the season, are you doing more than one show a day? Yes. Um, so this season, we have a lighter load because of because of COVID and, and whatnot. So we're doing um, we do up to four shows in a day. So and there's two casts. So on Tuesdays, my will be my day off. So that means on Tuesdays, they'll do all the shows. So like my typical work week would look like it would start on Wednesday. I'll have two shows Wednesday, four shows Thursday, two Friday, two Saturday, two Sunday, two Monday, and then I'll get a day off. So it's basically like a 12 show week, whereas like Broadway's eight shows per week usually. Um, in years outside of COVID, it's like a 16 show week for us. We've got a very, it's a heavy, heavy show schedule. Um, what has been one of the most personally enriching things from being part of the Rockettes for you? Uh, you know, I mean, career-wise, I get, you know what I mean? Like, that is really so cool. There's only so many Rockettes in the world. I mean, I mean, I know that there, I, how many of you are part of the company total? Uh, currently, there's 84 of us. Okay, all right. And that has a lot to do with splitting the cast, correct? Yeah, okay. But, um, I mean, that's iconic. I mean, a Rockette, everybody knows. Uh, in our country anyway, everybody knows who a Rockette is. So there's something really prestigious about that that has to be super cool, right? First of all, before we go on to the other question, how does that make you feel to have that as your title? Uh, I feel like it's surreal still. Like, even when I say it, I was hesitant at first when I would, you know, people would ask me what I do. I would just say I'm a professional dancer. I didn't want to like, you know, I don't want to say brag or just like, 
I don't know. It just, it didn't feel right to be like, oh, I'm, I'm a rocket. Um, Cause it just <laughs> come off easy yet. Like it, I, it still didn't feel real to me, but now I've, you know, like um, owning up to it and proud to say that I'm a rocket because I've been associated with this amazing legacy. That's, you know, been around since 1925. There's, you know, hundreds of women that have been rockets and we've all been able to you know experience this um this magic i guess you could say of being on a line dancing with like women next to you and just feeling really powerful in that second um as a person i mean that says a lot but i mean what what do you take from it into when you're not dancing as a rocket like how does this how has this put a thumbprint on you heather like you know what i'm saying like i'm kind of diving deep like we used to do in our dressing room but do you can you can you kind of you know break that yeah. down? you were getting ready to say how long you've been with them did you actually say the number uh, this will be my 12th season. Okay. All right. Um, it would have been 13, but you know, right. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, be, it changed my life, literally changed my life. I don't know like what I would be doing if I didn't become a rocket. Like I wouldn't have the friends that I have. I wouldn't be living in New York city. I wouldn't be married to my husband. Like I would have a completely different life. Um, and so one that changed, um, you know, I, I don't even, I kind of like lost my train of thought, but um, I would say that having this job has given me um, so many tools. One, just to, you know, work better with people and because, you know, it's, there's no I in team, you have to, you know, work together in, in order to make something happen. And there's a lot of different personalities and perspectives and you just really have to be humble and understand that like, it's not necessarily always about like you and like, just because you didn't get picked for a special like PR event or certain like thing, it's not because of you. It's because, you know, there was someone else that is, you know, capable and like fit the criteria, but like, that's not something that you should, you know, feel bad about or like get, get down on yourself about, which, you know, is easier said than done, but it's just, um, you know, taught me to, you know, praise the women around me and like be happy for them. And, you know, they too are happy for me when anything, you know, good, bad, we're just always there to support each other. So um, I think it's definitely um, taught me that. I hope I answered the question. I kind no, of- No, you did, you did. I think it's beautiful actually, because I, I think uh, particularly in the arts and I bet you will agree with me there because we're competing against keyword, against others for a role that it does breed, I think, the human element of, be, of insecurity, right? So here you are lined up at least with 41 other, right? 40, uh, 41 other gals, huh? Yeah, there's 30, we dance 36 on the line, but okay. then we have six um, swings, which are- oh, Got yeah. it, okay. So, but I mean, you're out there with multiple, uh, uh, you know, groupings of, of women and really kind of have to set your self aside because you're all uniform. I mean, you're, that's, part, that's part of the Rockettes is that not one stands out from the other. Right. So when you have an opportunity to stand out, it does have to do with, you know, being pulled into a feature part of a number or something. But I think that is so 
cool because I bet, I don't know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. Do you think that you had that same understanding and feeling when you were doing theater where uh, you're part of, um, you're either the dance captain or you're part of the ensemble? Uh, yeah, yeah, not as, it, it's not as strong as like being with the Rockettes. Like I never really wanted to be a lead in anything. <laughs> You know, cute. being part of like a group. I don't like to be the spotlight or, you know, like growing up dancing. Yes, I had solos and whatnot, but like get me on stage with a, with a mic and ask me to sing and I will freak out. So <laughs> I'm good for dancing with, with a group, um, especially the older I get. So, but. Um, what are you looking forward to the most with rehearsal starting next week? I'm just excited to get back into the room and work. I'm, you know, not working for a year and a half really, you know, shows you how how important, you know, what we do is not only for us, but for people that come to watch us um, and like how much of a pull there's been like in my heart and in my life, not having the Rockettes or having theater or Broadway. So I think, I know it's going to be hard. It's going to be physically hard, but um, just keeping that feeling of like missing it and like what I felt last year and taking that into this season and just being thankful and grateful every single second because I could be doing it, you know, I, I am probably going to make this my last season. I you know, I'm, I'm toying with the word re retirement. It's toying loosely. So, but I think it's, it's, it's coming to an end. So I just need to embrace and enjoy literally every single second, even when I'm tired and cranky and my feet hurt. Totally. Right. And what goes into making a decision about retiring for you? Um, I think it's just being able to like leave on my own terms, you know, Cause I could audition again and like, I might not get it, you know, it's just all kind of like depends on if there's a new director or just how the company is like heading, but you know, I'm 41 and I'm dancing next to 18 year olds. So <laughs> my body is getting a little, you know, it's, it's hurting more than it did when I was younger. So I think. And you do notice that, I mean, is that fair to say, I mean, I, I don't, and I don't mean to be facetious towards myself, but um, not having uh, a physically fit body like your own, I think it kind of encapsulates or, or like cushions me around pain is pain or awkwardness is awkwardness. I can't say for sure, which maybe this is a blessing that I'm able to tell. Cause if I was, if it was hard for me to do X, Y, and Z at a certain weight years ago, it's kind of the same kind of hard, but when you're, I'm not working like you are. So you can tell that you're aging because you're just so vibrant you can yeah i can feel it in my in my joints in my recoveries in in the morning when i wake up my feet just like are hurting i had a really bad injury in 2019 um with my quads and i'm still like recovering from that and it's just i mean we're dancing on a steel stage and that you feel it in in your body and a lot of you know former rockets have the same you know same issues it just gets to a point where it hurts and um yeah <laughs> okay okay i didn't so what's with the steel stage that's an interesting fact is that just because what is it because tell me 
It's the original Radio City stage. I mean, it's been there since 1932. It's made of steel. It's got elevators um, and that go up like 13 feet and down. Um, okay. Okay. So it's actually a necessity. It's not like it could be remodeled or anything. Got it. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when you had the news last year or when you saw, I mean, I'm sure everyone kind of quickly saw it coming as everything hit the fan. Um, um, I, you know, you said something interesting and I really, really love live anything because of this. When you said for the, for the people that, you know, have missed us or something like that. And out of any kind of regular production, you guys bring joy like nobody's business. Yeah. And um, we need that right now. So coming into this season, having missed a season, knowing what was absent and that was sort of a, a hollow place in the city, live, mm -hmm. live theater, but even particularly around the holidays, the Rockettes, what does that make you feel like now to know that that's that gift? Not that it's not ever been appreciated every year, but now it kind of has this like, like, like the world is gasping for a little bit of what you'll bring. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of an incredible feeling. Like I'm already like, I can feel the excitement and I just know the energy of like that first performance. Like I'm, I, get choked up and like cry um, because of it just, you know, cause it's powerful. Like being in like the theater seats, 6,000 people. Now I don't know if it's gonna be full of 6,000 people, but um, even if it's just a thousand people, like that's still like pretty incredible. And just being in New York around the holiday season and knowing like you can't really have Christmas in New York City without the Rockettes. Right, <laughs> I'm gonna cry right now. I mean, that's so true. My nose is running. I mean, so yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was I was in the city last year, you know, around the holidays, and it was just it was sad. It was dark. It was it wasn't the same, and so I just feel like it's like a rebirth and like we're all getting to have that like reopening and, and whatnot. Like same with Broadway cast. Like I've just seen like some videos of like their opening nights and like the audience goes crazy. Um, and I just know that that's going to probably like linger for at least a year. Like we're going to see a show tonight um, come from away. And then on the weekend, we're going to go see Wicked. And we've seen both of those shows before, but I just know that the energy from the cast and like the audience are going to just make it even more magical and meaningful than ever before. So oh. I hope bring that as well <laughs> with How our show. Fun for you. How fun for you tonight and this weekend. Um, I, I love you. I have loved you since I met you and you and the girls just briefly. And I've shared this before on my podcast, I felt like I was intruding your, intruding your space um, uh, when I was asked to, I remember when you kind of like, when everyone sort of brings their stuff on tech weekend, you know, I brought my stuff, I took my little corner to kind of make sure that I was like away so that you got, but I remember thinking I need to make uh, the most of this opportunity because 
um, these are just really beautiful, sweet people. And I'm not their jam. You know what I mean? I'm messing up the vibe in their room. And, um, and so I came to the, uh, to the, to the tech weekend with a pro something just hit me to make up this thing called Terry time. Um, and I kind of threateningly said, this is my game. I don't have to play, but you do. And, and I do, I do remember you guys looking at me like, we are so afraid of her in a really weird way. But, um, I, uh, I would bring a question that I challenged you to answer truthfully, but if you wanted to fake me out and lie, you could, that was your choice, but you did have to play. Um, and it took you guys a couple times to kind of like think, okay, she's not going away with this. Um, and you started jumping in and playing, but if you recall, it sort of spread down to the guys and the guys came and said, Hey, what is this going on? And then it spread and it became something that the tech. So like we would even meet sometimes in the green room on day on our double show days in between and do it. But um, do you, consequently, and I, so like, I'll let you talk in just a minute. Obviously, um, I like my guests to talk. They just don't get to talk as much as I think they should. Um, but I, at the end of that show, okay, I'm going to choke up now. The relation, the love that I had for you guys, because you shared yourself with me, blew me away. And you guys put together a gift for me in a picture box and took me upstairs to the rehearsal room before our last show and you gave it to me. So, okay, I'm bawling now, but um, uh, if you hadn't made it into my heart forever and eternity, you, you had by then, but theater, theater and living in a space with people that close is not normal. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yes. But it really is a very unique gift. And you guys gave me not just the physical gift that you handed me, but you gave me this gift of just your presence and who you were as people. But I wanted to thank you for that. After all these years, we just counted. You thought it was... Um, so it's like 18 years ago, right? Or something like that. Or no, uh, coming up on 19 years. If we did it in 2003, that particular show of Chicago, um, then we're, we're knocking at the door here of somewhere between 18 and 19 years. But um, that experience of sharing a tight quarters with other people, women in this particular for you, um, mm -hmm. what does that do for you and for others? You know what I mean? To have that support. It did a lot for me. You know, it really did. I, I, I won't go into it now. I'll probably talk about it at the tail end of our time together, but what did it, what does it do for you? I mean, they basically become like your family. You're spending 24 seven with these, with these people. And like, you know, being in Chicago was my first theater production that I'd ever done outside of like high school. But like, it was the first time that I got to like, feel like I was part of like that theater family. And you know, you 
don't necessarily see them after the show is done because then you end up finding, you know, doing a new show and getting a new family. But within that small amount of time, you're spending all of this, you know, all of your time with these people and you know they're going through the same thing of being away from their family and you know you know you're doing hard work and it's physically exhausting and mentally exhausting but you know that you've got people that you're going through it with like the girls in my dressing room we are best friends um you know you find your group and that's who you know works together in your dressing room and outside of the season they just become like your your crew like your girls and like, as the years go by, people come, people go, but you still keep this like crazy connection that really I can't explain to anybody unless you've been a part of it. Um, you, I mean, you, you know, you see them naked, <laughs> you see them, you know, at their worst, at their best. So it's like, they're seeing every single part of you and it's very, a very vulnerable, vulnerable space to be in. Um, but when you find the, the right people to go through it, it just makes it even, the experience even better. Yeah, for sure. Will you play just a small brief round of Terry time with me before we go? Yes. Uh-oh. <laughs> I have the same look you did. <laughs> now I'm going to ask, I kind of remember the very first question that I asked because Terry time then started to, people heard about it. It's just a weird thing. I always come back to y'all when I talk about it, um, but it became something that I've taken other places and that I've used and even was part of what I pitched with um, my show with Oprah. And um, anyway, but uh, the first question I asked was if there, and you might remember this, if, and I'm going to maybe give you two and that's all. Okay. Cause I want to get you out of here. I know you have a busy schedule because you're a dancer. <laughs> um, if there, let's say there's a limo waiting outside for you right now. Uh -huh. Okay. And um, as soon as we're done, you're going to go down where, or whatever. I don't know where I'm assuming down, but maybe not. Maybe you're, maybe you don't have to go down from your apartment, but um, you're going to go down. It's waiting for you. Um, you get to tell me who is in that limo waiting for you to join them. Mm -hmm. And then there's no limitations on how this works other than the fact that the limo has some physical limitations, but where is the story going? Where are you headed in that, that limo ride? And there isn't any kind of restriction. Is it taking you somewhere to go somewhere else or, or whatever it is that, are you driving through? Well, you wouldn't there in the city necessarily, but I mean, I was going to say you driving through McDonald's, but um, where are, who's in the limo waiting for you right now? And, and time and space, there's not any limitations there either. And then where are you headed? Oh gosh, I would. So hopefully the limo is big enough because I, it would definitely have to include my mom, my like best friends from high school and elementary school, Shelly, Julie, and Carrie, and then my friends from college, Gina, Elisa, and then my um, friends from the Rockettes, like all the girls in my dressing room. Um, it would basically like be a girl's getaway and it would take us to the limo would take us to the airport and then we would fly to Hawaii to see my best friend, Chris, and we would spend a week in Hawaii, all the girls and Chris. <laughs> and oh my gosh, you're the 
best at it. I have chills all over. I love that. Wouldn't it be so fun to have that limo down there? Yeah. Okay, here's the other one. And I know this is one of the ones that you guys breathe easy over, but then it turned into kind of a, I have a memory like a, you know, a still trap, but it turned into a, a, a contemplative conversation. Um, uh, well, I'm going to ask you two, because they kind of, I, um, I remember two. One was, um, what color best represents you? And why? I would say yellow. <laughs> uh, I don't even have to answer, and I'm going to say absolutely. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I just I try to be. I feel like a positive light in people's you know world, and uh, stay as optimistic as I possibly can. And I just feel like the color yellow is is bright and and sunny and and happy. And that's what I try to be every single day. And it doesn't gonna... doesn't always happen. <laughs> But that's what I try for. That's what I strive for. <laughs> and I will affirm that in you. And I haven't been around you physically for years, but you know, a leopard doesn't really change their spots. And that can be in good re ways too. And you have been that. And I see that in your, it's reflected in your social media. So I would absolutely say that. And then um, the other one was um, that I'm going to ask you is what superhero best represents you? Um, I don't really pay attention to superheroes much. I mean, I could be cliche and say Wonder Woman, but it's because she's a female. Yeah, and, cliche is okay, but make up a superhero. What kind of superhero would you be? I uh, would, would be a superhero. Um, I don't even know. There's so many things that I would want my suit, my power to be just to well, like, name them all. You're a superhero, so you can. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I would want to like you know make sure everyone had a house over their head or a job or you know money in their bank account. Um, mm. I, I could be a superhero that took away cancer. Like that, actually, that would be my superpowers to take cancer away, get rid of that. Um, Heal, a healing superpower. Oh, girl. <laughs> so everyone who's listening, I want you to pay attention to the things that came out of her mouth first. And that's what I did when I was with you guys is it, you, we, sh I think we, as people, when we answer from a gut and we know we have to, it's like a game that stuff comes out that we don't necessarily know that comes out about us. But what came out about you is this caring, um, heart for others. You said I would make sure people had a roof over their head and they had food to eat or jobs. And then it went to, uh, you know, relieving people of the disease of cancer and then a healing. So that just says so much about who you are as a person, um, my friend. And I am so glad that you have seen the fruition of your efforts and your dreaming because you deserve it. And I am so glad that you have given time to my podcast because I know that people out there right now might be afraid to dream dreams. Um, it's been a crazy, wacky world. And to know that maybe dreams don't necessarily um, come to fruition overnight, but because we dream and that, that, carries us 
that we can see those dreams come true. And I just, I adore you. And I thank you for giving time to me today. Is there anything else that you want to say in this time before we close the podcast? Oh. I mean, I just want to thank you. I feel like, like you said, it's been so long since we've seen each other and like talking brings me right back to that dressing room and just like how warming, warm and welcoming and loving like you were. And I just looked up to you so much um, in that time. And I'm so, so happy that you asked me to be on, on the podcast. And I kind of feel like it was a nice like little therapy session, to be honest. <laughs> For me, for sure. For me, for sure. Well, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to be thinking of you this next week. And I, I would love to be in your shoes, figuratively speaking, I would never want to, but in the part that I know what joy you're going to be infusing into uh, the lives of those that come to see you and, um, and the state of New York and our country. And I'm just so glad you're back at work again. Me too. <laughs> I, I want, if, if there's a time to talk after the season is over and see what's happening with you, I'd love for you to come back. So consider yes. that. I'm going to bring this to a close. Don't go away. I want to say goodbye to you, just me and you one-on-one, -on -one, but I'm going to stop the recording. But you have been a blessing and I cannot wait for your season to begin. All right, sweetheart. I thank you. Love you. Love you. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to end. The, I'm not going to end, but I'm going to stop the recording and I'll say bye. So hang on. So if I understood my friend Heather correctly, they came back to rehearsal, came back to meet officially yesterday, Monday, and that was a day just to gather. So actually today, Tuesday, I think think it's the 28th. I'm not really sure of September. While you're listening to this podcast, they are jumping in with both feet. And that is so cool. If you get a chance to go see them live, let me know because I'm a little jealous. But I absolutely feel that having this opportunity to be with Heather today has given me that feeling that the holidays are in the air. And I love that. Thank you for joining me. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>